Three fifths. Okay, so then your three fifths of an inch is six feet. Figure it that way. I just usually I usually work in twenty five millimeters. Tell you the truth, and as a consequence, I know that one inch is six feet. <laughs> you dork. Well, yeah, twenty five point <laughs> four. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I normally work okay, in twenty five millimeter. I, Episode two seventy five. That's not well. It's an odd number, but it's a it's a round number. It's a, that it's it can a be, nice number. It can be it can be divided by thirteen. Is that right? No, eleven. It can be divided by eleven. It can. Yeah, twenty and eleven and twenty five. Right? Am I doing the math right? Four yes, plus four plus three. Correct. Yeah. So it's a number that can be divided by a prime number. Congratulations. This, this has been simple addition and subtraction. Oh. On Nerdburger. Hi, it's a podcast. Uh, I'm Mike, and he's Craig. Hi. Let's, uh, let's talk to our guests so that we can get into rolling forward with the head of steam that we built In up with the all the great stuff we talked about before the podcast button was pushed. Ma- Welcome back, Jim. Who is it? Yeah, it's Jim. It's Jim. It's Jim. Hey, hey, wait, wait. I got to make, wait. Do the thing here. Okay, Mike can feel comfortable now. <laughs> so Yahoo email addresses are fine. You have an AOL email address. Yeah, sure. I'm old. Do you have a fish made of the discs on your wall and just can't let it go for aesthetic reasons? <laughs> no, I would have to hang things on my wall to own one of those. No, well, that's true. We're not very good at that, are we? I mean, I'm not either. But uh, I I was blown away by... Hi, hi guys, by the way. I, I couldn't. Absolutely Two things in here hanging, hanging on, on the wall. wall. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> not including the shelves. <laughs> that came with the house right yeah i was gonna say usually in my case if we've got sh- if shelves it's because the nice people who built the house left them for us mm-hmm. yeah it's certainly the case actually my wife is very good at hanging things and, and putting up posters and such me not so much but uh no you, how is it just because you can't bear to let it go it's I, I get it it's it's a relevant thing to your particular concerns in life but but gracious me, I mean, was was that not available with some iteration on Google or because I'm no. concerned for no, it, is. it wasn't. By the time I I bothered to check, it it wasn't available on anything else. So, um, how how long have you had this? Oh, <laughs> when did twenty five years? Okay, it had to be. I mean, my it's I I my father in law, God rest him, had a uh, what was the Sears one. What was this? What was the Sears email thing that what? they had? Oh, shoot. Sears. Sears had its own. They, Sears took a dip into the email internet pool at a very early age. Sears. Uh, yes. They got into email before anyone else, and they're in in all the trouble that they are now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, well, look, they're 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 getting killed by a whole different set of things. No, my know. wife could tell you because she always used to send me these emails from this weird thing. Because my father-in-law actually invested in Coleco because he thought they were going to be the leaders of the computer revolution. <laughs> well, you had to pick a side. <laughs> well, you didn't yeah, most know. People, it could have. They could have been. You didn't know. Most 
most people chose between IBM and Apple. I'm just saying, but they, uh, but in any event, he had a Sears account. Genie, that was it. G E N I E. They had a relationship with Sears at some point. Wow, never even um, heard of it. Yeah, you've never heard of Genie? No. Well, oh, I've heard it, of it, genies, I think, but not this genie. Yeah, here we go. Genie I've, email. I've Introducing genies. email. Oh, no, that's not it either. It's a bad People joke. just don't know their history. But it's um. But but in any <laughs> if anyone would know email. <laughs> Twenty. Now, now it's all years. just about emailing Sears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you are you at all concerned that all these? I mean, you must have if if you're like me anyway. My Yahoo account has tens of thousands of emails in it. Because, yes, I've had my Yahoo account for a while. Are you not worried that AOL is going to go pear-shaped and suddenly you're going to be sans email? Well, they've already sold themselves to people a bunch of times. They're currently in the process of or have just been sold again to some other entity. And, and my, you know, I've never had a problem. Okay. <laughs> All right. I just... I t- well, I just see you what's, sitting... what's the worst that happens? He gets a new email address. And it's all no, backed all this... up in my computer, in, you know, in my mail program on my Mac anyway. So who cares what oh, happens okay, to the okay. you are online that's repository. My... That's my point. You are, you are doing that. Okay. There it is. Oh, Wikipedia is saving me. Genie, General Electric Network for Information Exchange. <laughs> all right. Wow. Was that's it, a, was that's it not on... bad. Was an online service created by General Electric Business. Uh, that ran from 85 through the end of 99. In 94, Genie claimed around 350,000 users. Peak simultaneous usage was around 10,000. Can you imagine? Peak simultaneous, 10,000. There are network well, people in, yeah, all in the mid 90s. That's yeah. <laughs> that's how many people were using email. <laughs> your, par- was... your parents hadn't, le- hadn't learned out how to use email yet. We had, no, we no, hadn't no. yet had a generation that was born weaned on email. You know, right. It was the it was the thing that it was go, go back. We've talked about this a little bit on this show. Go back and watch TV shows from the late '80s to the mid '90s. Anytime there is a, or movies for that matter. Anytime there's somebody that is an, a computer expert, they are a <laughs> high schooler or a college age student. They are no older than that. And when and when there's a character who is older than that who has to learn a computer, they are irate that they have to learn how to use this. God damn machine like <laughs> Mac Robinson was on Night Court when they replaced his folders of files with <laughs> virtual folders and with, files with a computer on his desk. <laughs> and he went ape crap. <laughs> There's this is I, it, it is amazing. The junk drawer that Wikipedia can be uh, there. They're, <laughs> They're they're sharing the various informations about Genie and their route. They had these forums called roundtables. I'm delighted by the fact that uh, it was eventually replaced by the quote World Wide Web yeah. unquote. <laughs> well, and, gra- and graphics-based <laughs> services, most notably AOL. Yep. But but down here, and I'm just scrolling down. Genie had a reputation for being the home of excellent online text games, similar to the quote doorway games end quote on BBSs but often massively multiplayer. What blows my mind is as I'm just a little scrolling down it, there, there is my guy, Jim Dunnigan, one of the great designers and thinkers about war games in the classic age of the 70s and 80s, his 100 years war. Uh, so even that was on there. Wow. Man, oh, man. This is how we so got you to... Could have, so you could have uh, gotten in... 
you know, checked your email on Genie and and played yourself a mud, <laughs> a text-based a, mud, played and there, multi-user wow. dungeon. There, but down here, there it is. One of the round tables. That's what they called it. The TSR online round table. And then you could have, yeah, you could have gotten on, uh, um, the uh, the friends bulletin board on Usenet, and talked to other people in just text threads that were just reams of paper long. <laughs> that were just, you know, just all it had was your name and what you said. And, and, and by friends, you mean just kept going the online TV show. friends, not the TV show. No, I mean the oh, TV you do show. Mean, oh, I was gonna. I thought you were gonna make a joke like the TV show hadn't even started yet. There was, was no, no, no. This was friends in the actual sense. No, this was about the TV show when there started being fan things. That's still old. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I was one of. There was like me. There was about a dozen people. I'm. I'm not kidding. There was a brief period where I was like bulletin board internet famous. I was like one of the core group of like the witty people that were making cracks. Yeah. The first season of Friends on the Usenet bulletin board for Friends. I'm Jeez. not kidding. <laughs> for about one year, and then I got tired of it. <laughs> well, see, yeah, and that's that that now that's an that's what we have for journalism now. There's, <laughs> yeah. There's we we don't we don't have newspapers anymore. We just have people making witty remarks in narrow cast spaces. So you were a pioneer. I was. You were like, oh, and they list the notable users of Genie. Oh, Lord. Well, including, you know, uh, J. Michael Stashinsky. There you go. Uh, and uh, and Corey Doctorow, which, you know. So, I'm oh, not sure uh, who that is. Uh, he's the co-author of Boing Boing, and he's also the science fiction novelist. Okay. He's written a bunch of stuff. Um, Was but, uh, Steve Wozniak not an early Genie user? Uh, he he not, always is... seems to be... <laughs> the first one to do to use something like he was the first guy driving a Segway around first guy right. driving a, a Tesla. I see no was here, but I do see Tom Clancy. <laughs> the, most, the, the most, the most boring man ever to write an exciting novel. He's a, he's a terrible since been eclipsed by George RR R. Martin. No, George RR yes. R. Martin is an interesting interview. He's a he's a he's he has a personality and he has his little sailor hat. Um <laughs> his little Greek sailor hat. Um but yeah, that's a that's a running gag for our radio program. The worst interview they ever did was with yes. Clancy. Oh, oh, okay. They just couldn't get anything out of him. He clearly didn't want to be there. He was worse than the Jamie Lee Curtis interview where they wanted to talk to her about her movie career. And she just wanted to talk about her bowel regulating yogurt that she was pimping. <laughs> she still pimps that, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, but she oh, was yes. on she was on like a press tour where that that's what it was about. And nobody wanted to talk and, to her about that. They wanted to talk to her about Halloween and all the Wait, her press tour was about Activia? Apparently. Yes. That's yeah. crazy. She was on <laughs> Bob and Brian. She was on a press tour. And she would, for... she, they would ask her a question about her acting career. She would give it a half sentence answer and immediately we go into a sales pitch. About... I shit you not seven or eight times. Every <laughs> question turned into a, an Activia sales pitch. You, you know, the funny Every thing about, one. The funny thing about shooting Halloween, I was so constipated the entire time on set. <laughs> but then I found Activia. And listing off all the great stuff that's in it and... You know how you can get it here and there, and what it costs, and oh. it was See, that was the interview. It just didn't stop. Wow, is it that? Why is that not on an album? Uh, <laughs> I think it is. Actually, I actually no, it's it not. Is. No, it's not. No, that it, one's not. I have every album, and it is not because I am sure that was one that they wanted to use her voice. 
oh, on the album, and she said, mm, no. "No, I ended up looking that that interview was terrible. I ended up looking, you know, I was I was there for one thing. They entered talked to me about something else, and then they made fun of me afterwards. No, sir." Boy, you know it would be it would be really really convenient right now if bobandbrianworld.com had a search feature for their <laughs> radio vault which it does not. They may not have that even on their radio vault. That might be one that might be one of those things that they just said, "Yeah, <clears throat> we're just never going to play that again because we could get in no. serious trouble." Jamie Lee Curtis has power. I'm sorry. <laughs> in Hollywood, <laughs> she she wanted to get cranky about it. She could probably do something. Anyway, what do we got coming up? No one here? makes Jamie Lee Curtis the most cranky, not being able to poop in the morning. <laughs> Thank God for Activia. <clears throat> if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, please uh, Gmail us. Well, Don't sh- AOL us or Yahoo us. <laughs> and getting back to that, the reason I keep my AOL address after 25 years, Jim, uh-huh. is uh, is because the. The the kind of people that would be that would be willing to pay money to AOL for whatever uh, data mining they are doing on my email, I'm not really concerned about. Um, as opposed to um, all of the terrible, terrible actors around the world that are paying Google money for access to everyone with a Gmail email addresses uh, information. So, so you only use a flip phone too, right? <laughs> no, I use an iPhone because Apple doesn't let anybody into their walled garden. He uses uh, uh-huh. he, use, he uses one of those phones that uh, like Fox Mulder used in like '99. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where the little nope. thing flips out on the bottom, and then you got to pull the antenna Ten up. out the top. Yeah, <laughs> I have like, one of those. <laughs> no, he's got one of those phones. Like I, I had one of those too. My wife actually did. I take that back. She had the first cell phone in the family. I only needed. A, I had a pager. I never had I a pager. <laughs> Do you ever yeah, watch I, 30 Rock? Uh, yes. <laughs> Dennis Duffy, the pager king of New York. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> In the 2000s. <laughs> I, I had a... Uh, were you, were, I, Jim, were you at one time either a doctor or a drug dealer? <laughs> <laughs> or, on, or, on, or on one of the first few seasons of The Real World? <laughs> I, w- I was a freelance journalist, and, that's, that and in those days, that is how the journal, the journal first, and then the journal Sentinel would reach me to say, hey, we've got something you could cover. You want to make some money to make rent? And I went, Quicker. I like rent. Quick, go find a payphone and call us back. Mm-hmm. I'll get this. They had a toll-free <laughs> That's how the world works. I know. That, I could, that, that I could call from a payphone. Yeah. Yep. That's and that's, that's how we did it, kids. And then when I wrote the story on my Tandy 100, <laughs> when I wrote the story on my Tandy 100, I would connect that Tandy 100 to a different 1-800 number um, using rubber cups that fit over the receiver. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Screw and, the news and all the other topics we we're going to deal with today. Let's spend an hour talking about pre-2000 technology. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we're going to do. Seriously, uh, I'm not kidding. <laughs> we should just talk about that. Remember that when was... the internet was in black and white? <laughs> No, there green any pictures? It was, it was in green and black. <laughs> yeah, green and black. When you look at when you look at the genie pictures we were talking about, it's in green and black. Remember was, when remember when finding a picture of a naked woman was difficult and like it was a treasure? It was a find. What are you, what are you talking about? When getting when the first <laughs> the first iterations of naked women were ASCII. Well, there was that, yeah. They, they they attempted to render... I actually have seen attempts at pornography done 
with ASCII animation. Yeah, render, but then you could you were rendering your screen off of a, a dial-up modem. Yes, <laughs> you had the picture of the woman from the waist up. Like, well, this text description <laughs> looks pretty good. Let me click on that and come back in forty-five minutes. <laughs> Go get a smoke. <laughs> yeah, have dinner. I oh, I was boy. a uh, I was a play tester for Steve Jackson's vehicles for GURPS. And to get the playtest docs, which were nine meg, okay, uh-huh. sure, you had to dial up to the uh, Illuminati online servers down, I think, in Austin, Texas. And I was doing this on my father's twelve hundred baud modem. It was my modem, but it was on his phone line. And you, 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 we've probably talked about this. I'm sure you guys have. Sitting down and prayerfully hoping that Dad's stupid call waiting didn't hit. Yeah, <laughs> because nine meg at twelve hundred was little over an hour. And by the way, he was going to hold me accountable for that long distance charge. <laughs> sure, because yeah, well, that wasn't a toll free dial in. That's right out of uh, Almost Famous when when uh, uh, Patrick Fugit's uh, editor at Rolling Stone tells him to uh to write up what he has and and take it to this place and you can send it via this technology called a facsimile machine Mm -hmm. and they can send your pages over the telephone it only takes 23 minutes per page there you go (laughs) or something like that i don't remember it was 23 but it was a ridiculous number there you go (laughs) nice pull with the patrick fugit (laughs) what happened to him after that movie what happened to him (laughs) Did he just go on to do indie stuff? Is he a director now or a writer well, or something? As long as we're rolling around here and not I wouldn't have been able to news. tell you that actor's name. You know the kid from Almost Famous? No, he's been in stuff. I know I've Wait, seen which him. movie was that? Wow, he looks really grown up. He looks like an FBI agent. <laughs> he's he's like Yeah, he's not he's not ugly, I'll say that. Uh he he's, uh, he's, he's been fucked. working. He's got plenty of credits. It's but it's yeah, yeah. it's a lot of done some TV stuff, he's done some indie stuff. No, I've about, seen him in was, wrist, wrist cutters. He was in We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> Cirque de Freak. <laughs> he was in Gone Girl. No, he's not He's not the guy that bought a zoo. He's got to be Scott. He's, he's Robin <laughs> Jones in We Bought a Zoo, if you can remember character names from that. No. He's also in Cirque de Freak, yeah. the vampire's assistant, where he plays Evra the Snake Boy. <laughs> he was in an episode of House. Really? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, everybody was on an episode. If you That's have a true. if you have a medical procedural that runs long enough, every everybody. character actor yeah. or or like low end movie actor shows up at some point or another. Late seasons of uh, late seasons of, of ER. ER um, Alex Winter. <laughs> The in middle, his one role the between middle, Bill and Ted no, Two and Bill and Ted Three. No, no, sorry, wrong. That's the wrong name. What's her name? <laughs> no actress. Ah, ah. Um, actress Alexandra. Actress. She's on Modern Family. Her, her character's name is Alex. Oh, the um the what's nerd. The, what's daughter. the actress? Um. Oh, what is it? Quick, Google. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking. I can't think of her name. She pops up with all the because she had breast reduction surgery oh and sake. she's a big. She speaks a Ar- lot. Ariel Winter. Was, Winter. Yeah. yeah. Alex is her character's name. Winter. You you beat me to the time. Jeopardy music. Yeah. Right. Good job. Um, Ariel Winter. <laughs> when she's like Alex a, just a winner. Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> a year or two before Modern Family, 
um, she's on there as like the child of a heart transplant patient, and she has to carry the emotional scenes. Yeah, like three three different times. This is how far before tail? Well, I mean tail end of of Modern Family, Modern so Family, so right just or tail end of ER, ER so, so just a right couple, before just a couple the beginning. years. Yeah. Okay. Now Jim's typing something. <laughs> no, no, I was just struck up. by the fact that Jake Jake Gyllenhaal beat him out for the lead role in Donnie Darko. Really? Yep. Well, if you look around, if you dig up that kind of stuff, you go to the trivia for different movies, you find that stuff all the time, and you find like yourself he was, wondering. He was like, this close to all kinds person, of roles right around well, that time? Not him or just anybody. Like, you know, you find out, like, you know, this role was this person, and it's sure. like this iconic thing, and you find out, like, this list of 10 people that yeah. were That's up like for that same Indiana role. Indiana Jones like, was supposed to be Burt Reynolds. Yeah, what if, what would that look like <laughs> if so-and-so played that part? It was Tom Selleck, yeah. but I'm just making a joke because yes. we got those two mustache guys confused yes, yes, we last did. week. Mustache guys. You ever get Tom Selleck and Burt Reynolds confused, Jim? Uh, no, no, no. Because I, you know, Burt Reynolds was the <laughs> dude for a long time during my childhood. I mean, he was Smokey and Smokey and the Bandit. So, like, or he was Bandit and Smokey and the Bandit. So, let's not fool around here. Whose mustache is better, Tom Selleck's or Oh, Burt Tom Reynolds's? Selleck's by distance. Yeah, yeah. I was he thinking. has the superior mustache. Here, you want to. Get... You want to you want to feel like you're you haven't done anything with your young life? <laughs> okay, uh, Tom Selleck or um, no, no, no. or um, Ron Swanson. No, no, no. Oh. getting getting back to uh, Ooh. Alex Winter. No, <laughs> um, uh, Ariel Winter. <laughs> she did it again. <laughs> yeah, I just blanked on her name. Ariel. Well, you're Ariel. mixing the two names up. I know, I know. Ariel Winter. Well, I, did, I said Alex Winter on purpose because I, I, I couldn't think of no, Ariel. No, but anyway, no, her anyway, Ari- when she appeared on like Ariel five, Dunphy, when she looked, when she appeared on five or six episodes of ER and had to carry the emotional weight, she already yeah. had twenty five credits. Really? Yeah. As a as a, a small as child. A ch- as a child, huh. just over the course of like four years, like she's she's a real, <laughs> she's a, like a How real many deal of those young commercials. They don't list commercials on commercials, I know. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I mean, is it not the case? And I may be confusing her with a thousand other starlets of whom this is true. But is does she not have a thing with her mom where they hate each other Uh, because she was one of those ridiculous screen moms? Maybe that that sounds familiar. Did she did she like emancipate herself? I think so. I think she has. So, you know, how much of that is her wanting to act, and how much of that is her? Well, mommy has to eat. Yeah. Mommy needs to get her Botox. So 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 Ariel has to go uh do a voice in Curious George and be on Monk <laughs> and Bones. <laughs> oh, are we ready, I suppose? We're we're off the technology hook now. I'm over it. What's who's Craig? They made a hugging robot. Really? Yep. Is it Japanese? Good question. Uh, it's being made by. <laughs> oh, where's it being made by? It's a, it's called. They call it Huggy Bot. It's a modified Willow Garage PR2 robot. Um, Willow Garage is that the just a name? It's a name. It's a name. I don't know what that means. Look it up. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's basically it's you know it's 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 vaguely human shaped. That is to say, it has a torso and arms. <laughs> you know, it's not. You know, it doesn't have like a body like exactly like a human being. But, sure, sure. And it's all covered it's up. Got, with, it's got huggable parts. Yes, and it's all covered hugging up. parts. It's all covered up with like foamy and plush stuff and everything, and it will hug you. Mm-hmm. And I was finding myself thinking, Temple Grandin did this <laughs> years and years and years ago. She made a hugging machine. You know who Temple Grandin is, Jim? 
Uh, the name is really familiar. Why? I know who she is, but I don't know what you're talking about. She is a um. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? She autistic. was. She's she's autistic. She is she still alive? I'm not sure. I think so. she's still around. Um, she she's autistic, and she uh, basically has a a degree in um, like cow studies. I don't know what the, the, <laughs> the cow technical term is. Was it cows or horses? Cows. It's definitely cows. Um, yes, definitely cows. Because I saw the the, the biography about industry. her. Yeah, she's a um, animal science. Animal science, right? There and so she studied, she studied, um, a bunch of stuff, right? But the thing that she's probably known the best for was, um, her innovations as far as the pens and paths that they use to lead cattle to slaughter. There we go. Yes, because yes. when you would take cattle and shove them in a in a narrow pen, it freaks them out. But that she studied cattle in the field and saw that they would move in in like clockwise. They were they moved in circles. They moved you know in, in big groups in circles, slowly over the course of time. So they she um, hypothesized that if you took the pathway that was going to take them into the spot where you're going to put that slug in their head to slaughter them and chop them up and make them into your hamburger, um, that that would keep them calmer and make it easier and more humane for you to slaughter them and make it like not be a, a stressful, painful, difficult experience for the, for the, for the, um, for the cow, which also means better meat because they're not lacing themselves with stress, adrenaline, the, the stress hormones, stress and hormones adrenaline and, and all that stuff. Does that really affect the taste of the meat and the quality? Well, I don't think that's I what that was she just was a joke. I don't think that's what she was going for. I think she was well, going no, for making it, making yeah, it a more that's humane, a happy side effect a humane process, but having happy, cows that died happy and and the whole point in the whole the whole point of it too ignorant. was that she would she would um the her her set, the setup that she created would take it in the, this big circular motion and it would get it would start out wide and get narrower and narrower and narrower to take the cow to the the spot where they're going to you know and <laughs> take take and and slaughter yeah, it got the shotgun sound effect yeah there. it's not a shotgun they do the bolt gun <laughs> thing where they just punch through the thing's skull um and she because she had an issue with human contact and she had strange relationship with her parents and everything. She built a hugging machine in her home. She built a thing that she would crawl into and it was just like this, this crate essentially that had um, slats on the side with um, um, I think she like tied wrapped towels around them and stuff like that. And she would have like levers and, there's a, like a rope you could pull, and there was there was and it would joints, it, it and it would close press, in on would you. press this thing in and would close in on her and hug her, and it helped her calm herself and to deal with when she would become very stressed, like autistic people off sometimes anyway. Um, well, she's you know on the extreme end of the spectrum. Well, she invented right? a machine that helped herself, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know she she was able to. That was one of her coping mechanisms for dealing with um, stressful situations where she could. She was the original inventor of the thunder shirt. <laughs> The what? The thunder shirt. The thunder shirt. It's like a com- compressive uh, torso garment for your dog. Oh, okay. That you put on it and it's it squeezes them and hugs them. Keeps them calm, keeps them happy. It's supposed so to anyway, work. So anyway, that's, yeah, now they got a robot, getting back to this, the news item. They got a robot that's going to help out with that, um, with, with giving you a hug because there are studies, studies show, and Mike loves to hear this because it means a third of them are real. Um <laughs> show useful information yeah there's a study there's show that 67 you know, percent chance that this is garbage <laughs> <laughs> hugging is one of those things that helps us it 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 helps us to release uh 
hormones that make us feel better and and you know reduce the stress reduce hormones the, and yeah, the, all that stuff and the uh, adrenaline so that when we're slaughtered and eaten <laughs> and turned into jello that it tastes better by the hugging machine yeah because how long until the <laughs> hugging machine learns that just a little more pressure but as someone who has been hugged by craig i'm here to tell you that i'm not i'm looking at a picture of this thing it looks like something that bolts the frame onto a onto a hyundai <laughs> yeah it's not okay. pretty it's not you know, pretty oh, okay so it's korean not japanese so yeah well no it's actually it's, made in pennsylvania it's about as attractive as me you're doing it's it's no, you're doing amish? better than that you're Jim, doing better than that it's amish yeah. yes because all people okay. from pennsylvania <laughs> It's and time more, to more importantly, all robots from Pennsylvania that's right, are, are made Amish. by the Amish. Yes, right, because that's logic. <laughs> that's but, well, that's why they don't have any electricity left over. They're using one it all of these on robotics. You know, they, they took one of the job stealers off the line at the AMC plant, <laughs> wrapped it up in <laughs> styrofoam <laughs> and gauze, and said, "Oh, it's your mommy." It's like I'm not that stupid. And 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 they apparently it's somebody's master's thesis because God knows you got to do your master's thesis about something, but they 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 brought a bunch of people in to see how they would feel if they hugged it, and the general consensus of the article, even the article which seems to be in favor of it, is well it wasn't too bad, well I guess it didn't crush me, it didn't tear me in half with it with its robot hands, but the idea I mean it would seem to me as a humanist I suppose at core that the reason I enjoy a hug is that this person across from me is saying, hey, I like you, you're good, I got you, or something like that. Or when my son hugs me, he tells me, oh, I love you and I miss you, daddy. My wife hugs me, all that stuff. It's that communication that we do non-verbally through hugs. I am not persuaded that Ed 209 here is gonna love me up, despite no matter how much teddy bear fur you put until, on. Until that, uh, until those hugging arms Get slapped onto the uh, sex bot doll, and uh, she learns conver- she, she learns your name and all of your likes. Different conversation. Or he. Let's let's be fair. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Doesn't just got to be dudes getting it on with the female sex bot doll. Of course not. Um, yeah. Then uh, get like a nice post robocoital hug <laughs> before, <laughs> for you to drift Hug- off to sleep. Hugging a smoke. <laughs> However, the robot is set up to like you know also protect you and put out house fires and stuff. So like you get done with the robot and then you have a smoke. You well, it hugs you and then you have a smoke and then it, you know in the face with some sort of fire retardant, <laughs> some sort of dry suppressant. Danger, danger. <laughs> well, you just did it to him. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> Moving on. What else is news? Well, speaking of uh, robots, there's a um. Radio reporter based in Washington, D.C., who gets, uh, well, used to get a lot of airtime here in Atlanta and other markets. I think he does, like, the Southeast. And he, a couple of years ago, he mysteriously lost his voice. Not good if you're in radio. Right. And yeah. his, his name is Jamie Dupree. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, but, yeah, so he's gone to all kinds of specialist doctors over the last couple of years, and they cannot figure out. Basically, his brain can't talk to his tongue anymore. Whoa. Yeah. He can kind of talk if he bites on a pen. For some reason, that, like, tricks his tongue. 
but he still kind of talks like this. He, you know, it's not going to work on the radio. But oh, you, also have a, you also have a pen in your mouth. But go true. On. So um, he's been uh, reporting via Twitter and writing articles now. But all the while, he's been trying to find some solution to this. Well, the uh, the company he works for, the communications company, um, found some outfit. I think it's in England. I'm not sure. And uh, basically, they did the same thing that they did with Roger Ebert. Remember when he got, was it throat cancer or something? And he no, had... he actually had jaw cancer. Oh, it, it was, was jaw throat... cancer. Okay. Yeah, it was all his, from all his smoking. So like the whole bottom half of his face yep. got removed. Removed his yep. jaw, his mandible. And so he couldn't talk <laughs> at all. And But what they were able to do was because he had done audiobook versions of all of his, of all of his uh, review, movie review books, mm-hmm. they were able to mine all of, and this was, 15 years, years ago, ago um, they for, were able For the to... latter portion of his life, he spoke sure. in his own voice. He spoke in his own voice through, yeah, like uh, like Stephen Hawking, but it sounded like him, mm-hmm. although it's a little bit robotic yeah. because they can never get it quite perfect. So anyway, they've done that with this guy, and he's back on the radio now, talking oh. with his robot voice. There you go. That's that. It. it I, uh, I have a good friend, a retired city attorney. Are you familiar with your vagus nerve? Uh, yes. That is uh, I... V-A-G-U-S. Correct. That's the one. Yes. I, I had never heard of this until he came to me with this. He's a really, really good guy. Retired brigadier general in the uh, United States National Guard. Uh, worked at the J, J, JAG Corps. And after he retired, he got a tumor on his vagus nerve. Ooh. Yeah, no good. Up And and for those who don't know, if your vagus nerves go, you got all kinds of problems. Because it, it, like it pulls out the last Jenga block. Yeah. And and your whole system, you can't. Sometimes you can't breathe. Sometimes you can't digest. Mm-hmm. You know all this really basic stuff. Like, what is this? How how do I encase this in in something permanent like titanium, vibranium, so it never is touched? <laughs> I didn't realize this was this bloody important. So he came to me, said he had a tumor on it, and it had affected. It got the tumor was right near where it touches the vocal cord. And his doc, he said, could you please send me any recordings you have? Because I, I am responsible for the city's TV station of me testifying or speaking because they're going to use this to help tune my voice to back where it was. Whoa. So and he's went, got like that, this thing built into him now? Well, no, they went, it's, I don't know. And I've been meaning to ask him, I haven't followed up with him to find out what they did exactly. Because whether it be through the physical therapy or what have you, they wanted extensive recordings of his voice so they could tune. Because right now he has a very, when I met with him, he had a very high aspirated, it was nothing like his voice. And um, they're apparently going to try to put it back. Now, he said they probably won't be able to get it exactly right. But they wanted to use these recordings to help train back his voice. And I said, okay, now it's one of those moments where I realized, holy crap, it's one of those moments where I realized I, I just, I've reached this threshold of science fiction yep. where I'm not, I, I can't even, obviously I'm no doctor, I have no concept, but that, my mind was blown and we were able to get it to him and I hope it's going well, but that's just, stuff like that just kills me every time I hear it. Yeah. Like, wait, we can do that for real? That's, that's not fake. That's not <laughs> written for something in Heinlein. Get out of here. Hold on. This is episode 275. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. We average over an hour an episode. Yep. Yeah. 
Mike, you and I have 300 hours of our voice recorded. Oh, our hey, we can recorded. do that. Hey, so hey, we're if, set. If we ever got mouth cancer or something happened, you know, with a vagus nerve or something that prevented us from talking, yeah, we could we yeah. could replicate our voices Pro- provided, synthetically. Provided we, we can afford to because we're still making money doing something else other than this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> You're going to spend your, pot, your podcast money repairing your vagus nerve. <laughs> Yeah, if you um, it's just below your sternum. Stick your finger in there and push real hard. No, that's that'll that'll activate your vagus. Yeah, see, I'm not, yeah, I'm not s- pushing on anything around my sternum. No, below it. I I don't care. <laughs> below the sternum is that little tip of the sternum. That's the part that you break off accidentally when you get in an accident. <laughs> also, I learned from ER. Um. I don't remember what it's called now. There's a term for it, but they do it all the time. Have you ever seen in the doctor shows when somebody loses consciousness and they rub their chest? They make it, they they make, they make they make a fist and they rub their chest right in the middle of their chest. Yeah. Do that once to yourself. Put yeah. some put some pressure on your on your wait st- up your here sternum, on the sternum? On your sternum. Yeah. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to see if you wait. respond to oh. pain. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> to a universal pain spot, like everybody will feel that. That'll hurt for anybody, no yeah, matter yeah. what. Still like, hurts. So, yeah, I'm I not... did it ten seconds ago. And it still hurts. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't do it that hard. <laughs> I'm not pointing. At, I'm not poking and pushing at anything on my sternum. There's a heart behind there. I'm gonna get some <laughs> padded <laughs> shirts. <laughs> Those will that's, be hugging shirts. That's awful. <laughs> They're all hugging shirts. <laughs> what else? Anything? What do we got? Uh, we did I a had lot a, of yapping before. We, I had another. I had another one, but it seems to have disappeared. So. I I, I I sent in my news piece thing. Okay, wait, yeah, which one was that? Which one? The Waterloo model. Because you sent in like eight, and we Craig well, narrowed yeah. it down to one. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> What's the Waterloo well, model? Yeah, this is the this is the 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 one that ran. I I think I sent you the article from the from the Daily Mail in London. Might have been. It's it's the uh, the replica the replica model of the Battle of Waterloo that the guy did. The the thing of it is, the Battle of Waterloo continues to obsess, if no one else, the British a whole awful lot. And every now and then you'll get a story, typically around June 18th, which is Waterloo Day. Happy Waterloo Day, everyone. We just passed it. There comes a story of some guy that has built his own Battle of Waterloo model. And they've done it at a level that's beyond what most people would consider to be, well, normal. Insane. Oh my God. Okay, I'm I'm yeah. looking. I I'm, I haven't even seen a photo yet. This is just the words, and I'm astonished. I like holy crap. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. No, no. Now now you're with me. And and this guy. Good has God. Spent... <laughs> just got to the photo of the model. Well, I got to a larger photo of the model. Yeah. Yeah. This guy. This guy is for real. And and as you see, he 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 as he says in the article. Um, he was only able to do it after his child left the house. <laughs> well, because, yeah, because he converted the child's room into the space for it, and then knocked down a couple other walls and took over yep. a couple other rooms. <laughs> yep, and and it's 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 lovely, and they they interview his wife, and that's always cute because she goes, you know, I didn't really get it until I saw it all up, and then I realized how beautiful it is, and all this stuff, and I'm certainly not going to judge him on that aspect because. Quite frankly, I can look at this model and I know exactly what each part of it is because I've been there twice. <laughs> and I, and my son has walked around with it once going, Dad, this is really hot. Um, 
So so we, we've we've been around. And parenthetically, I don't think, based on the articles I've read, that he actually has all of it out because at this scale, Waterloo would be too big. You know, it's about two and a half miles across by two and a half miles deep, which is small for a Napoleonic battlefield. But I move on. That's not <laughs> that's that's not what I wanted to talk about. This is one of those historical things that drives me absolutely bonkers. Here we go. If you re- if you read the headline that I sent you, do you have the one I sent? Yeah, I, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Could you read that headline, please? If I could, if you could indulge me. Uh, which headline? The one that's buried in the URL the, the, or the actual headline on the, the page? The actual headline, please. Finally facing my Waterloo. Military fan finishes epic 30-year project to build replica of Wellington's famous 1815 victory over Napoleon, <laughs> complete with 5,500 soldiers fighting across 100-foot-wide battlefield. Thank you. It's the Wellington's victory thing. <laughs> I want to take you back. I thought you were going to say something about like facing your Waterloo and how people overuse the term Waterloo. I thought you were going to oh, complain right. about headlines that are too long. I could do that too. <laughs> I could do either of those things. No, no, no. In the 1820s, not too long after the Battle of Waterloo in 1815, a guy by the name of Seaborn, S-I-B-O-R-N-E, began thinking, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build the world's bestest model of Waterloo because this battle... It's hard to imagine now because we've lost touch with it. But at this time, Wellington becomes the biggest rock star of his age. This is so big, he becomes prime minister of England because of this. He gets beef named after him. He does. Oh, and this part of it, well, it's it's not just that. He gets that recipe. What do British to this day call rubber boots? Wellingtons. Uh, yeah, or wellies. Or wellies. That's because sure. of him. Huh. It's 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 everywhere. Go all over the world. There are places called Wellington. There are places called Waterloo. At the very beginning. Of wait, what wait, wait, become... wait, wait, wait. Is Beef Wellington named after this guy too? Yes, that's what I said. Yes. He got beef named after him. Yeah. I oh. like Beef Wellington. <laughs> well, it's it's beef prepared a certain way, but yeah. yeah. I you know so I yeah. really like Beef Wellington. For the record, it's what I it's what I ask my wife to make for me every Christmas because I like having the Wellington food. So I, I you know, I'm into it, and she makes a great beef Wellington. But um, so she she you know, he gets all these things named after him. He is the most powerful man in England right as we're getting into the time of what would be known as the British Empire. the 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 British 19th century is 1815 to 1915, and so he is right there. He's this colossal figure. And along comes this guy by the name of Seaborn, who says, I'm going to make this model of the Battle of Waterloo, and I'm going to have cast little 12-millimeter figures accurate to the details of every regiment that was there. <laughs> and I'm going to have them special painted. And I'm going to show... In, he, he contacted his collection of letters is one of the most important sources of documents because, because he contacted the soldiers who were there and were still alive and said, where were you at this time? Because he wanted to depict a very specific moment in the battlefield, and I'll get to that in a second. (laughs) But he said, when you were at that moment, where were you? Where were your men? How were you deployed? What was the terrain like? Describe it all. So he has this incredibly accurate, at least, you know, it's not perfect, but it's a great level of accuracy. And what he wants to show is the moment where the French were attacking Wellington's lines face protecting Brussels. You know, Napoleon is marching forward. He's getting ready. The British have been fighting all day. They're weary. They're worn. He wants to depict the moment where the Prussians 
arrive on the eastern flank on Napoleon's right and begin to press through the village of Plancenois to crack the French resolve and win the battle. Wellington sees this model and says, you have to cut the Prussians off. And Seaborn looks at him and goes, I'm sorry, what? You have to take all the Prussians off the board. I won the Battle of Waterloo. They didn't. There's a book by Peter Hofschrer called uh, Wellington's Smallest Victory. And it tells the story of how he, Wellington bankrupted this man because he couldn't bear the idea that anybody but he had won the Battle of Waterloo. <laughs> and so... And so for this article, 203 years later, to say, Wellington's victory, you sons of bitches, let it, no, the Prussians won the Battle of Waterloo. Had Blucher not arrived when he does on the evening of June 18th, the British lose. <laughs> you don't know that. Oh, yes, I do. No, you don't. How many how many alternate realities have you traveled to, mm. Mr. Quantum Leap? Mm. What does I'm, I'm, what does your model of Waterloo show, Jim? It shows Prussians. <laughs> <laughs> there are Prussians there, a lot of them. Does, I've been, you know, it it is it is only when you go there that you realize, yeah, the Prussians showing up to the French right rear that was a problem. Because now Napoleon can't focus on marching forward because he's got guys behind him. To the point that Napoleon actually tells his troops, uh, nobody tell them that those are Prussians. Say that they're French reinforcements. And when it's realized that they're Prussians, it's believed and the, the, the cry goes up through the French ranks, we are betrayed, treason, all this stuff. So no, I was just blown away. You know, look, the devotion to building a Waterloo scale map. And then there's the other thing. Is it is it out of the question to do some other battle? Does anybody have an Austerlitz in their basement? Does anybody have a Borodino in their backyard garage? Absolutely. Just not in England. Who knows those battles? I, okay, look. Somebody comes I, up and says, name a famous battle. Pre, uh -huh. You know, like, not an American. Ask an American, name a famous battle from Europe. Waterloo. There you go. Yeah. That's why that's why that it gets reported. That's what gets reported. So wait, are there people that have these other battles? Absolutely. I'm typing right now, live theater. I'm I'm Before skimming through the theater. article and I'm not I don't see it. Uh, Jim, I assume you've read this. Does does Michael Robel from uh Wadhurst, East Sussex have Prussians in his model? He does. Oh, good. Okay. He he does. You cuz Wellington's not here to crush him. Yes. <laughs> It's just the, the douchebag that wrote the article and the headline that took the Prussians out again. So what you're saying is the Prussians <laughs> did the crushing. Not, yes, the Prussians did the crushing. All right, all right. So Wellington's, Wellington's, a lot, Wellington's a lot of fun, but the Prussians did the crushing. Look at you doing marketing. I'm a poet. You didn't know it, but your feet show it. They're Longfellows. Yipper. I still love that. Um... <laughs> I don't. All right, all right. So somebody has a six millimeter Battle of Borodino. That's remarkable. There you go. See, I uh, yeah, nope, yeah. That's 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 actually insane. It's actually really cool. I want. And this was and this was reported by the Daily Daily Mail UK. You know, it was 
So yeah, obviously it's going to make a big thing out of the Wellington thing, and it's not going to. They're not necessarily going to like report on somebody's little mini scale model of you know some Persian battle or some Eastern Asian battle or something. You know, it's going to be Waterloo. <laughs> Wait, where, what, where what are they? they what are they going to? What are they going to show? Their version of the American Revolution. <laughs> let's let's no. talk about that battle in in the UK. <laughs> sorry, sorry about the American Rebellion, right? As it is referred to, Amrev. <laughs> so yeah, I I uh, happy water. I just, just yeah, I, just could, I I could not believe. I could not believe that two hundred and three years later, we're still not getting that right. Not that I expect journalists to get things right, but still. We, he said, we. <laughs> like I give a crap. <laughs> hey, I'm still on the phone. I'm oh, still here. You're supposed to lie. I'm just playing a character, Jim. I really do care. <laughs> That's he's, not true either. Going to, oh. <laughs> Boy, this this guy that that built the model is uh-huh. is out of a middle aged British man central casting. Oh heavens, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's like, well, there's, there actually is, there's another article that if you, you go through the news, there's another guy who has done it, um, who has done it in America. He's from, D- he's out of Washington, D.C. Uh, there's another Waterloo model somewhere in D.C. This guy is, is even more tragic because he's single. Yeah, and at least he's this a, guy's married. Yeah. <laughs> Had to wait for his kid to move out to build the yeah. model. And, but no, this guy has it. And the guy, um who did it in Washington, D.C., he's got it at a much, much tighter scale in terms of each guy represents fewer troops. So he's got an absolutely amazing one. The tragedy with his is that he doesn't, he can't even put out all the toy soldiers he's painted because he doesn't have the room. He's got them stored in uh, toolboxes and flat toolboxes. And I think they're running now to something. I think he may even have them at ten to one, which means he's got something like thirty thousand of them. Wait, this thing's at scale? Like one person represents? No, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. no, the, like the twenty people looking, on this one. Yeah, I think it's. A, I think he he's running at about one to thirty. Yeah. Holy crap! Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, my people. When we go crazy, we go crazy. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is this is quite a thing, and they're and they are really really spectacular. But yeah, I, f- I forget because, yeah, there it is. It's uh, he's got a four millimeter, he's got a four meter by two point five diorama representing the actual battlefield, which was six by four. So yeah, he's got it to scale. I meant the 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 each individual little person represents. It, it, it 30, does thirty. And, and that's wow. Yeah, that's that's true too. But you got to bear in mind, and this is—I'll stop here because <laughs> I will keep going. Otherwise, um, <laughs> the uh, the other piece with that is the ground scale never matches the figure scale because he's, I believe, painting fifteen millimeter guys, which means that every inch is about a quarter of an inch, which means that a quarter of an inch is six feet, which and that'll never work. You can't get the ground to work that way. But anyway. Wait, 15 millimeter is like uh, three-fifths of an inch. Three-fifths? Okay, so then your three-fifths of an inch is six feet. Figure it that way. I just usually, I usually work in 25 millimeters, tell you the truth. And as a consequence, I know that one inch is six feet. <laughs> you dork. Well, yeah, 25.4, <laughs> sure. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I normally work okay, at I 25 keep, millimeter. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, you know, he's a, we're Americans. Everything's got to be bigger, right? Yeah. <laughs> just a little. Yay, grosser, desto besser. Exactly. Just, just to put a button on this, Jim, you know, here's, here's, right here is a great example of the reason why it's always Waterloo. And it's not, you know, some other battle. There's a character in a movie who famously said, okay, wait, if we were one of Europe's greatest leaders and we were stranded in San Dimas for one day, where would we go? <laughs> right. Waterloo! Yeah, yeah. You yeah, ditched yeah. Napoleon? He was a dick! <laughs> so is that why he lost? Because he, he uh, arranged his soldiers in a water slide? In water slide. <laughs> <laughs> invade Russia with water slide. <laughs> that would have gone better. Speaking of which, today is the anniversary of the day in 1812 when he marched that army over the Berezina into Russia. That went badly, forever prompting <laughs> a series of a series of wildly inappropriate analogies. <laughs> All right, that's that's enough of that. We got anything else? Are we rolling? Are we going to get uh, controversial? Let's get moving on. Okay, Jim, tell us about Solo. Okay, not spoiling. Ooh. Just a heads up here. Not spoiling the movie. We're going to no, talk no, about. Heavens, no, no, heavens, no. talk about. Oh, we how are the talking movie about did. that. Yeah, we're going to talk about how the oh, movie because, did. Because I just, frankly, I'm not. I haven't seen it. I, I haven't even seen it. I saw it yesterday. Good for you. <laughs> You're one of the few people. people. But I, I want to know oh. this, and I, and I'm very because this is exploding nerdery okay nerdery is exploding about the fact that solo has bombed and so i've been putting to my friends over uh you know the the various different pieces you know i have government friends and law friends all sorts of stuff history friends and so i've said give me one reason and you can only give me one that's a suck okay go ahead sorry no but no no because i want you to focus on it because i accept the fact that it's never just one thing History doesn't work that way. You know, why did Napoleon lose at Waterloo, going back to the previous discussion? It's not one thing. It's many things. But if you are focused on it, if you're thinking about it, what is the one thing? The only rules I have, number one, you're not allowed to say it didn't bomb because it did. It is an absolute unmitigated bomb. It's going to lose money. That shouldn't happen with a Star Wars movie. No. Number two, you're not allowed to say it's a bad movie. Because it isn't. Because because I've seen far too many people that have said, it, I have not seen anybody come out of it and say, oh, that sucked. It's a, a la Barry Bostwick and Megaforce. It is a very good movie. <laughs> okay. And it's ranged from, oh, that was nice, all the way to, ooh, one of my favorites. Nobody has come out and said it sucked. So if it is true that it is Star Wars, if it is true that it is at least decent or better, it's solid. It is definitely solid. It's not one of the best ones, but it's definitely okay. good and solid. So the question is, I enjoy why, ha why has it bombed? One answer, one answer. Oh, one answer. Well, okay, so there's three of us, so we're going to we're going to have three different answers. That's so that's right. going to allow my, us to have three answers. My, so well, that makes me feel better. Okay. My oh. answer is is it's equal parts two things, but since um. I can only say one, I'm going to let somebody else go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, Jim, you, you've clearly got a strong opinion on this. Why don't you chime in first? Well, I, here's the thing. I don't honestly know. Oh. I hate this 
because no, I'm actually more curious on this, and I'm pretty passionate about this because this is a fascinating moment in nerdery. As you know, one of the, one of the pieces is we are right at this cusp moment. If you're going to take nerdery seriously, which I think you have to, given the billions of dollars it generates, it, it, this is the time that the Star Wars, my Star Wars, such as it was, is dying. Fit literally in the real world, i.e., you know, Carrie Lewis and and Carrie Fisher, Carrie Lewis, Carrie Fisher. Um, Rhymes and, with Jerry Lewis, right? You know, and, and Alex Mark, Winter. Emil's not a kid. <laughs> All these Bert people Reynolds. are. are <laughs> Bert Reynolds. He does not have a better mustache. The um, <laughs> but you know, Jerry. <laughs> I was about to say Jerry Lewis instead of Jerry Reed. So you got me going. <laughs> Wait, you hot, you hot. Um, but you know, so they're physically dying. They're getting old. You know, how long does Harrison Ford have? Even though you know, but. But also, they're they're trying to pivot the franchise into something new, while at the same time having jettisoned the canon, and saying we're going to write our own movie. So I'm fascinated. My answer, I think, I think, is is going to come down to oversaturation. Um, I already, just, wow. I I think people are because the other thing is, it didn't uh, take you know. Long. You know <laughs> Well, there's 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 multiple ways to look at the oversaturation. It's not just the oversaturation of well, we've had four Star Wars movies in four in four years. No, there's it's, all the now. There's another one planned for next year, and there was talk of Obi Wan, and there's talk of Boba Fett, and there's people clamoring for a Leia movie, and there one another trilogy about another thing, and I mean, there's there's all this other planning that's constantly being talked about. Sure, and, plus the TV and, shows, the yep, cartoons, yep, yeah. And that's exactly what I mean by saturation, Craig. That's it's not the mere number; it's the fact that when I went to see all three of the original movies. Well, the first one I caught after the fact, nobody knew about it. It was this weird movie. Well, what do you mean it's about space wars or all this stuff? But by the time we were at Empire, and certainly by the time we were at Return of the Jedi, um, it was, we didn't know anything about it. We, 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 we knew it was coming, but we didn't have an infinite run of trailers. We didn't have an internet giving us on-scene spoilers. We didn't have you know leaks of the script. We just went to see the darn movie. And we never felt like we were in this constant blender that you're talking about, Craig, of this movie and this movie and this movie and this movie and this movie. And we just saw the movie for what it was. And I just think, because what really hit me, I was talking to my wife about this, um, you know, all the Toys R Uses are closing. And she went out just to see what was, you know, <laughs> looking at the Mohawks and burn barrels that's out at this abandoned Toys R Us near us. Um, <laughs> You know, because we're going George Romero full zombie. <laughs> I'm bringing a crossbow and a shotgun. <laughs> but, you know, out there and a bunch of Molotovs. But she, she's out there. And the one thing my son noticed was that there was an incredible amount of both Last Jedi and Solo merchandise. Now, of course, there was to begin with, but it's not selling. The merchandise is not moving and so i just think i think my guess is if i were to pick one i think we're sated from a merchandising perspective from an exposure perspective and from a mere amount of product perspective the the merchandising thing particularly with toys doesn't surprise me um because back in the day and i think my my parents will have to chime in on this but i believe empire was the first movie I went to see in the theater. Yeah. I was I was five at the time. Sure. But I remember 
Now, we didn't come from, you know, a very well-to-do family. We did fine, but we didn't have even half of the Star Wars toys. But you didn't have to be rich. Like, I certainly knew kids who... Had a bunch. Possibly had them all. It was, it was within reach Yeah, at that time. 1980, you know, maybe. Empire, maybe not by the time you got to Jedi. Maybe that was too many. But at least with Empire. You, you could have got, had everything in 1980. You could have had all the Star Wars toys, and it would have fit in your room, you know? Yep. That would have been probably all you had in your room, but <laughs> now it's impossible. You, you're, you'd, you'd have to rent a warehouse, or at least <laughs> well, one of well, the to, extra-large storage units at a public storage. Well, to your point, the, you know, if, if you haven't made it mandatory viewing on the Nerd Burger, everyone who listens to this podcast must watch The Toys That Made Us. And that piece on the 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 Star Wars toys was just um, I knew some of it, but the extent of it and the way that worked was just mind blowing to me, mind blowing. And the scope of it, how how shoestring it was. You know, we think of those toys, those Kenner figures, as this juggernaut that created a template for merchandising domination and got Mel Brooks engaged in talking about the power of the Schwartz. <laughs> but merchandising, merchandising. It 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 is amazing to me how that almost didn't happen. You know. Yeah. And and it, when they tell the story of, you know, why is the Luke Skywalker doll as tall as it is? Well, that's cuz old man Kenner looked over a table and held up his thumb and went they're this big. That's how big you make them. Get out there and do it. Watch the uh, watch the uh, um, well. There's the the toys that made us. There's a documentary series that talks about Star Wars, but you definitely want to watch Plastic Galaxy. Okay, that is the story of the Star Wars merchandising. Okay, yeah. So that so all that stuff. So yeah, and so you're you're absolutely right. You know, like that that this is this is something that was manageable. I mean, shoot, we were not particularly well to do either and i had enough such that my brother who was more into the toys than i was i was older actually and so i was by i'm not playing with dolls i play with gi joes that's different uh <laughs> remember the time we missed the richmond race because we was playing gi joes um but no it's uh it it, it we, we used to do this we would take his gi joes and put them in cups of water and freeze the cups in the freezer and then stuff those into snowmen because it was Han Solo and Carbonite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we had enough to do that. We, yeah, put, so we, yeah. put, we put Han Solo in the freezer. Before you could buy the actual Han Solo and Carbonite. Yeah, yeah right. You know, that's that's what we call the lower middle class approach to Carbonite. The one that sl slid into the uh, into the um, Boba Fett ship. Oh, whatever. yeah. The, the thing slave, that looks the slave, the thing that the like a chocolate one, bar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the slave one chocolate bar. All right. <laughs> Want to hear my... If I have to pick one, just, sure. just because do. it's an interesting, I this I think is an interesting talking point. I, I see value. I see uh, value in looking at it from this perspective. I think we've seen Solo. Solo tried to do something. There's a trick to it, and we've seen that trick four times already. We have ten Star Wars movies, correct? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Five of them have been made in the order that they happen in the universe. Yes. Five of them are prequels. Yeah. So 
when we watched the original, you know, the episodes one through three, we knew nothing's happening to, to Anakin Skywalker. We know exactly where that's going. Mm-hmm. We know nothing's going to happen to Obi-Wan Kenobi because he's in another movie later. Mm-hmm. We know nothing's happening to Yoda because he's going to be on Dagobah down the road. It's just yep. a question of how he gets there. We know that certain things have to happen in order to get those little babies popped out and taken to two different planets. And so we saw all of that and that took all of that stuff and there were stories to it. And, you know, whether you like the, you know, the best, uh, um, the, the best movie about intergalactic trade disputes or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and all the stuff that happens in there, there was other story. There was stuff that happened, yeah. got you there, but most of the stuff got you to new hope. And then they did Rogue One, which is like got you immediately to got you new to hope. New Hope, but it did it <laughs> in a different style. So it was kind of a neat trick. Uh-huh. They did a trick there where they said, well, "We're going to take these other characters that you never heard of before, and we're going to have them be the spies that get the plans to Princess Leia, mm-hmm. and we're gonna, but we're gonna make it a war movie, and it's not going to feel like a space opera. It's going to be a war movie, and we're going to have this trick that we do, and we're going to get it there. And the prequels did their trick where they told us this all this story stuff where we knew where it was all going to go, and now they did Solo, and It is arguable that the main character of the Star Wars stories is Luke Skywalker. It is arguable that the story of Star Wars is about Anakin Skywalker. True. And it is also arguable that the most iconic character is Han Han Solo. Solo. And we did not need a prequel because we don't want to see how the sausage is made. We just want Han Solo to be awesome. We've had our Han Solo movies. There aren't going to be any more because of something that happens in a movie. What? (laughs) And they've tried to, they tried to pull that the trick for the fifth time and say, we're going to put Han and Chewie and Lando in peril. And we're going to have this story. And they, maybe it's a fun story from the sounds of it. It's a fun story, but it's like when you get to the end of it, you're kind of like, yeah, that's where I expected that kind of thing to go. And a lot well, of people may have just looked at that you, from... You mean those three characters don't die? Yeah. Well, and, and they, you know, if they don't start with the Millennium Falcon, they end up with it, you know? And, you know, what, what are the things that happen? What are the things that have to happen in that storyline? Right. Where, you, where I think there were some people that looked at it and, you know, perhaps combined with other stuff as well that we, you know, not, uh, not necessarily touching on or what Jim said, they're looking at it and going like, I've seen the trick before. I've gotten my Han Solo story. He starts out as a ne'er-do-well. He arguably has, outside of Darth Vader and, and against Skywalker, he, he has like the second strongest story character arc of the series. Luke doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Luke's a good person to start with. He ends up a good person. Anakin goes bad and comes back. Han Solo starts out as the ne'er-do-well, I shot first, blah de blah and ends up a general for the Rebel Alliance that he was only working for the money <laughs> for originally, um, and in love, and blah de blah you know, all this, and, and, and everything that happens in the, the recent uh, sequel. And, you know, it's like, I think people were like, well, this is the fifth time they're pulling this prequel on us. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Half the movies have been prequels. We know where everything's know. going. Yeah, true. And I think people are just like, they're just not as interested in that as an- anymore because they've seen the trick. They did the prequel, the episodes one through three, and we all suffered through that. And we saw the prequel and we got to Darth Vader. Even though we knew it was coming. No. Yeah. And, then they did, and then they did Rogue One and we were like, oh, that's a kind of a neat trick. Like the mm-hmm. like literally just like, you know, the person runs in and hands the plans to her and, and then she takes off and it's like, now it's now, right now, this very moment, it is the, the beginning the, the of very ne- New The very next second, it's, yeah. <laughs> Um, 
And that's a neat trick. And it's all very seamless except for the bad CGI. And that's yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's a neat trick. But do we want the trick again? Yeah. Well, or do we want a new story with new characters or something that progresses the current story or okay. That's my thought. Do you want to know? Because I can tell you the answers to all of those points you just made. <laughs> some of which I, were wrong, and some which which were right, and I'm not going to tell you it. That's fine. I don't care. The, but, po- I mean, the point is, coming outside I, of it, having not seen it, I'm just kind of like, I, that's, I haven't gone to see it, because I don't know that I care about the trick that much. I'll see it at well, some see, point and, when it's free. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm but I don't care. But I don't care about I mean, the trick. No I've seen my Han Solo story. It had an ending. It had a great beginning. I don't need any more. If I see that movie at some point, that's fine, but I'm not going to pay money to. I'm not going to go sit in uncomfortable chairs and eat overpriced popcorn while I'm doing it. I'll watch it next year <laughs> or whatever. Anyway, I'm done. Okay. No, no, um, no I, I really kind of like that. Analysis. I've been sitting here thinking about that, and I really do like that analysis. I've seen, no, that's, I've seen the trick. That's the, only, the only question I pose to you mm-hmm. is, did you guys hear Fireman Jim from our Bob and Brian show talk about it? No, I, I don't I, think so. I stopped listening as soon as they started talking about it because I haven't seen the movie. Well, no, and, and he did not. No, no, no. This was before he went. This was, I think, the day it opened. Sure. And, of course, Bob and Brian always razz Fireman Jim about his love of Star Wars. <laughs> and so the, the, the question was to Fireman Jim, who's, I think, just a little bit younger than I am. Um, is, that no, can't he's be right. Old. He's already retired. Yeah, he's retired. That's right. Yeah, they get, to retire, <laughs> they get to retire at fifty-five. No, I know. But they, but yeah. So he, so he's probably just a little bit older. And he, they asked him. They said, uh, "So you going?" And his instant answer was, "What are you stupid? Of course, of course I'm, I'm going. going." Yeah, it's a Star Wars um, movie. It's a Star Wars movie. I'm gonna go see it. Which sort of goes against. I mean, I'll, I'll put my nerdery up against anyone, but. It's interesting to see that disconnect between because Craig, you and I are in the same spot. I don't know as I as I'd put enough thought into it to get it to a place like you did, and I think it's a smart one actually. The in in terms of I've seen that before because the thing I love about the Bothans is it's just a line. It's literally one line in in New Hope, where mm, you know no that's, no it's in Jedi. That's that the Bothans is the plans for the second Death Star. That's Jedi. It's that's like, right. The, That's the right. Rogue they don't even, guys they don't even talk about them. Spies. They're just yeah. They're just spies. But anyway, it's not the. It's we not knew the, we knew that somebody the... got those plans for her, mm-hmm. and it's a throwaway right. thing. We just know we knew that they got to her. Exactly. There was there was nothing there. There was no investment. There was no investment, and so you could sort of draw on a clean slate. To your point, Han Solo is far from a clean slate. You know, we have all sorts of emotional attachments to the point that again, going to Fireman Jim. He and his buddy dressed up as Han and Chewie going for <laughs> trick-or-treats. You know, his buddy wearing the toilet mat. The brown the shag brown toilet, toilet set. <laughs> smells of urine. <laughs> that boy smells of urine. <laughs> what are you, some kind of dog? With the other... <laughs> yeah, then they get... Chewie gets so beaten up by c 3 <laughs> Gonna have to put that at the end of the episode. Nope. Still the... <laughs> Well, I'll link to the I'll link to the very very well done um, animation that some some uh, college student did. Okay, that goes along. That's my thought. So so that wasn't a clean slate. We had all these incredible memories of that, 
and and I wonder if that isn't exactly what what drove so many people to say. But again, how then do you account for somebody that has those memories, not merely saying, yeah, I'll go see it, but locking in and saying, ho, ho, I'm going to go see some solo. Because there are <laughs> the hardcore longtime fans of Star Wars grew up on just what we talked about earlier, which was the movie comes in the theater. You go see it now because who knows when you're going to get a chance to see it again. Who knows if it's ever going to be on television? Videotape? What's that? Mm -hmm. Right? Right now, this kind of stuff, solo, three months from now, streaming, done. In the, in the, in the safety and pleasure and comfort of my own home. Yeah. My friend's dad has a Betamax, but that's just for porn, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't have... You, you, got, you, got the, you got the group of people that are still in that mindset of like, it's Star Of course I'm going to go see it. It's a Star Wars movie. And then there's other people be like, I'll watch it when I can. When I get around to it, blah, 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 you know, whatever. They just, and I'm in that subset now. I'm no longer just automatically going to the theater because I've only, I haven't seen either of the, the, the recent prequels. The, I didn't see Rogue One in the theater. I waited for that. Yeah. I've gone to see both of the uh, other two movies on opening weekend. Yep. The actual continuation Ooh. of the story. I, uh, I almost didn't go see Solo. I, I, I wanted, to, I mean, I meant to, but I was like, well, if I don't, then not a big deal did you go see solo solo i did not <laughs> <laughs> did you see solo duo i saw i saw solo with uh my friend and his uh seven or eight year old daughter you saw solo trio yes nice. <laughs> so what's what mike what's your uh response to this why, uh, did, why did solo bomb I, f I figured out a way to sort of combine my my two answers <laughs> into one um i i think it bombed financially because as Jim says, it's it it is a good movie. Mm -hmm. Object, I mean, yeah, I think objectively, generally speaking, if it's, you've it's seen been it, well reviewed. You can't. I don't think you can. I mean, it's it's there's nowhere near as bad as it was supposed to be. Go on the internet. There's plenty of people poo pooing it, but the point is that generally speaking, yes, it's it's good. Um, it's it's better than the Last Jedi was. It's okay. a it's a better movie than the Last Jedi. Well, that's your argument because you didn't like the Last Jedi. Your your liking of the Last Jedi I liked, is I liked contingent most on how of the they Last pay Jedi. off in the final one. Anyway, um, moving on. What's your reason that it bombed? Uh, too much bad news. Yep. And that includes the bad news leftovers in the wake of the Last Jedi. The fact that it came out so soon after what six months after Last Jedi. Even though that that, that plays to oversaturation as well. But, well, yeah. it does play to oversaturation. Yeah, it's all um, kind of interconnected. Yeah, no, I think people people heard well. Um, they're even lucky it got made. So how can it possibly be good? And also, a lot of people didn't like the last one. So why should I bother to go see this? Here's 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 a thought on, on from my end was again we it's the age we're living in. I'm getting to here. <laughs> the original directors were apparently directing it too comedically some people went over their heads to the producers and said hey what's going on those people got dumped ron howard was brought into as has been reported on the internet save the movie right. which is part of the bad news thing yeah supposedly ron howard in. ron howard makes ron howard makes nothing but movies that are great <laughs> all of his movies are awesome he'll come in and save this for us and it was reported and reported and talked about and reported endlessly. and talked about mm -hmm. endlessly if this had been 30 years ago and there was a problem with the directors, there would have been a small subset of people 
who bought Starlog magazine or or one of those the science print fiction version of print variety. The, yeah, yeah. The, the small. <laughs> no, not, the fans, not fans don't buy variety. Not back then. No, I'm but, saying that like the, some the sci-fi mag, the print version, sci-fi mag that said have... the director's been replaced. Blah 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 blah. There'd be like you know half a page in an article talking about the director being replaced, and that would have been the end of it. And then the movie would have come out, and everybody yeah. would have gone to see it. Mm-hmm. But this time around, you said too much bad news. It's just like there was way too much talking about. Oh my god, it's it's fumbling. It's it's the the first directors have screwed it up. The, the actors are unhappy with the roles, with being directed the way they are. They got to bring in Ron Howard to save it. Oh my god, what are we gonna do? And how's this gonna go? And it was constant. And it was constant speculation too, just based on what people knew. And because it's Star Wars and Disney, and nobody wants to give anything away, they couldn't defend themselves. Yeah, thirty years ago, this movie doesn't bomb. I think I think no. the era that we're in affected uh yeah. and 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 how many movies we've in, had since in, has affected this whole process. Information and instantaneous access. information already having seen the sequel thing for done four times. This movie had been done in 1990 before success. Yeah, before the original prequels. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Success. Hugely successful. Han Solo, absolutely. Hmm. Okay. That's my thought. All right. No, and I, I, I think we're obviously going to talk about it a lot. There's been a lot of people complaining about the the, the role of, uh, oh, what's her name? Kathleen Kennedy, right? Yeah. Producer? Yeah. Her role in both Last Jedi and this, um, and to a certain extent in Rogue One, is I don't know. Um, I just know I was, I guess, ultimately where this all started for me, I was struck that I didn't have to go and see it. And this is... I don't know where that started, and I didn't stop to analyze it, because I know it was before this, because I still haven't seen Last Jedi. Really? Yeah, I'm waiting for DVD. Um, so I, I've, you know, I, the fact that that happened, it's, that's a it, thing, and it... It's been out on, it? on disc for like two months. Oh, very good. Well, <laughs> I haven't bought adult. it, though. I put it in my Amazon.com cart. Well, first of all, I yeah. missed the pre-order. I probably would own okay. it if I had if I had caught the pre-order, but I missed the pre-order and it was, uh, it was back ordered for like a month. And when it finally, when it finally became available, I put it in my cart on Amazon and I looked at it and I thought about it for a second. And I said, I didn't really like that movie. Why am I buying it? And I put it in, I clicked save for later. And so it's just sitting there at the top of my saved for later in my Amazon cart. And every once in a while I look at it and I think, should I buy it today? Nah, I didn't really like that movie. Why do I want to own it? So, <laughs> but it's still there because it's a Star Wars movie. So, so every day Amazon is sending you an email saying, "Hey, you know, Last Jedi is available for purchase. Did you know?" Mm, I turned that email that notification off a long there time ago. There was one thing. There was one thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot this one down. I'm sure it's again one of those things that might have had something to do. But I'm gonna have fun shooting it down. There's one uh, possible reason for the bombing um, that somebody brought up that is multiplex gridlock that was uh solo came out one week after deadpool 2 and just in the wake of avengers infinity war Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so it was up against some some real problem (laughs) some real contenders the people who would have gone to see all three of those movies are pretty much the same people, right. more or less, except for the kids. Right. Um, and, and gonna... they had just gone to the theater two weekends in a row and were like, nah, maybe just wait. And I'm kind of thinking, I'm not going to buy that because you want to see real competition at the box office? Take uh, Weird Al Yankovic's discussion of why UHF bombed. Yes. UHF came out the week 
was out at the same time as Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Lethal Weapon 2, Batman, Licensed to Kill, and When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> the same week. They were all in theaters at the same, at the time that those movies were in theaters when UHF was Premier. premiering. Ouch. And that was in the days when movies stayed in theaters for four or five months. Yeah. Good luck, Al. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Al. But that's okay. Still a great movie. He's got a number one album now, finally, after all those years. <laughs> oh, he does. No, he, yeah. He, he, yeah, he talks about that. He actually talked about that at his concert. Uh, because he does the... Th- he, one of the songs he did was the theme from UHF, so... But yeah, no, I, I just... That's... I also thought... I don't... I don't... I thought, you know, we had... My wife and I were talking about that piece of it, the the the, the Optiplex uh, log jam. And I said, ah... I don't know. I'm pretty sure most people these days can carve enough out of their wallet to go see. Oh, I'm just going to read down the top five Black Panther, Avengers, uh, Incredibles 2, Deadpool 2 and Solo. I mean, those are those are all five high nerd movies that well, people are, gonna, think, are going to go see. I think it's there's there's a subset of nerds of the geeky love, you know, the people that love those movies that are going to go see all of those. They'll Who cares if they're all right on top of each other? I'll go see two, three movies a week. I'll go see, two, you know, a movie every week for a month. They'll see all of that. They'll stuff. make it work. It's the people like right. me who aren't necessarily just, you know, throwing down money on the counter every single time this particular intellectual property slaps a movie in front of me. There's there's a there's a different subset of people that are that will do like what we're saying where they're going to say okay there's five big movies I'm going to go see two and the other ones I'm going to wait yeah no and it's I just just looking at the current counts I which is to why Solo up. did okay I mean it, like you said it, bom- it bombed but yeah. it, it it didn't it didn't it it bombed but it didn't bomb yeah we're not talking <laughs> Heaven's Gate bomb here okay I mean we're, we're, we're not we're not talking we're you not know, talking Ishtar yeah. but, but again. <laughs> But again, you're still talking 202 million. That's a bad take for this movie, especially when it cost its raw cost was 250, and that allows for none of the marketing and the rollout. So I mean, that's that's a problem. That's that that is something that will require some soul searching. I'm very curious. I'm going to be very curious to see what Disney does as it goes forward with this to, to, because this has got to be a a thing where they go, Whoa, hang on because Deadpool, which caters necessarily to a much narrower bandwidth of human beings, just given its content. I mean, Deadpool's got it by a hundred million bucks. That's crazy. (laughs) Have you heard, have you ever heard John Mulaney's bit about hundred million dollar movies? No. (laughs) He's like, you don't have to make a hundred million dollar movie. I would pay $9 to go into a room and look at $100 million <laughs> because I have no concept of what that is. And he's like, and then the, the, you know, the, there'd be like an old timey ticket taker there. who would be like, <laughs> for $9, you can see the $100 million for $10. You can have your money added, added to, to the $100 million. <laughs> And for an additional $5, you can see the egress. <laughs> right? All right. That'll do her. Does, is, does that do it? Are we gonna, Are we skipping Sammy this time? Oh, good. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. We've been... Because we've got we've a Kevin question. Today. Yeah. Okay. What are we doing? Make your choice. Make your call, Mike. You're the editor. Uh, well, Sammy usually doesn't take that long. We can do both. Okay. Go, Sam. All right. 
Sam Peeps, uh, we're here in June of 1660, let's remember, where we're following Sam through his life through London. Uh, I figured that uh, as we were heading, he's actually got a lot in here um, all through June of 1660, probably because there was so much political stuff going on at the time. But, oh, there goes one of my things. All right. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the one, where did it go? That's the one I wanted. Uh, I figured that it was close enough that we would go to the 20, today's the 23rd, right? Fourth. 24th. 24th. Do we have anything? Yeah, I didn't think so. That's, That's go, okay. Go. We'll, we'll 23rd. There we go. To my lord's lodgings. Now, his lord, whenever he refers to him, that's Salisbury, his patron at court. To my lord's lodging, where Tony Gee came to me, and there said, and there stayed to see the king touch people for the king's evil. But he did not come at all. It rained so. And the poor people were forced to stand all the morning in the rain in the garden. Afterward, he touched them in the banqueting house. With my lord, to Lord Friesendorf's, where he dined today, he told me that he obtained a promise of the clerk of Acts place for me, at which I was glad. And uh, this leaves us with only two things to comment on, because I know our time is short. The first is this king touching people. Mm -hmm. Craig, Craig, do you remember your Bristol Renaissance Fair? What it is he's touching them for? <sighs> Well, I imagine I, I don't remember specifically, but, you know, given that the king of any country is anointed by God himself to rule. This is probably some sort of, uh, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily healing, but it's it's it's, you know, to to bless you, to give you good, good vibes. So, OK, so this isn't like a Harvey Weinstein thing. Like, No, not that kind of touch. <laughs> Show me where on Jeez. the wet peasant the king touched you. My bathing suit place. Well, <laughs> see, and I really do appreciate the fact that Mike caught that, that you have this horde of people standing outside in the flipping rain waiting for him. And then they eventually let him into the banqueting house, which is still there right there on Whitehall. Um, but no, it's actually he is healing them. Okay, so of, it is that, of, it is that much. It, I was like, it it's is, just blessing. It's no, it's like going to take away your infirmities. It is specifically scrofula. What he had, he had the ability to cure the the kings of England until a very very late date claimed for themselves the ability to cure scrofula. Scrofula. Looking mm -hmm. up, looking up that noise. I think Jim can tell us what scrofula is. All right. It is a disease of glandular swelling. Particularly, it is a actually a form of. And we, by the way, that's what it was called in the time. We've mm -hmm. I, my understanding is, and I'm no medical historian, but they the the understanding was we still don't know exactly what it would have been if we'd have seen it today. But we believe it's a form of TB. Okay. Which always amazes me that. It, in, in this era before we were aware of how diseases are transmitted and when you don't have microscopes and you don't understand pathology and things like that, that you have the king of England and the queen did it too, um, touching people who were probably highly contagious. Yeah. It is amazing <laughs> to me that more monarchs of England were not taken out by this. And if you... Because clearly he's not curing them. Uh, I'm guessing not. I mean, I'm... <laughs> Far be it from me as a believing Christian to deny the possibility of miracles. That sort of goes with the gig. But I'm saying no. And in fact, if you go into Google, I checked this before I came on the air, but if you go into Google and you just type kings, the first thing you're going to see that comes up is king's evil. 
And that's what it was. Um, it was said to be, again, curable by the royal touch. So all these people are gathered outside Charles's house to say, please touch us and cure us of this. It starts to rain. So now you've got this horde of tubercular, sweaty, rained on peasants waiting for the monarch to touch them so that their scrofula will be healed. Catching, nobody, catching pneumonia. <laughs> nobody wins in this. Getting, getting wet and dirty. Just doing doing everything that you can to get another disease. <laughs> I was good. well, and not just that, but we decided to gather them together in another a group, illness, which right. is really good for the prevention of disease. We know that that works. Oh yes, and the elderly being helped out there by their able-bodied children. Yes, touching them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it's so all of this turns out to be just such a really great idea. You know, this is oh. uh, I the man who taught me. The man who taught me a lot about the Renaissance, the Reformation, who I took my master's degree from, was a great classicist. But he always said, I would never trade all the grandeur that was Greece and the glory that was Rome for penicillin and air conditioning. <laughs> I just wouldn't do it. So, and the other thing I just I want to be to know, this person's best friend. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to observe in passing that the other thing was he was off. There was a possibility, you know, he goes over to Salisbury. They, they go out, they hang out together. And Salisbury tells him, hey, the clerk of acts. This position's coming open. It's this incredible relationship that regularly existed, and Sam is always writing it down. He's on the hustle. He's on the make. He's going to get this job. He wants to line this up. So even as all he's seeing all these people laid out for the king to touch them, he's still the, he still remembers, oh, yeah, Salisbury leaned over to me and said, hey, clerk of Acts, maybe a little something for old Sam. Huh? <laughs> see, now I want to see like this sitcom version of Sammy Peeps' life when he's, when he's always on the make, but that he never gets anywhere. <laughs> it's like the incredibly poor decisions of Samuel Peeps. <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> he's constantly beginning every episode, every half hour episode, he gets another opportunity from his Lord of Salisbury. And he, by the end of the episode, he blows it. <laughs> I want to see that show. <laughs> you know. That's so, a great idea. And, we should produce that. Yeah. Let's just do do the Sam. <laughs> He's out there working on his maid. It's sort of like uh, curb your enthusiasm in the 17th century. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Sam, this is uh, the just yesterday in 1660, uh, watching people get touched for the evil and hustling for the clerk of the acts. Mycobacterial cervical lymphadenitis. There you go. Which you can still get today if you are immunocompromised. So clearly the king's, the ability of the monarch to touch you and fix it is limited. Speaking of, of just real quick aside, because this is a Tudor thing. So Jim, you know your way around this. Um, you know, not knowing what diseases were back in the day. Like we have yep. to try to figure out when they, when they had this thing that was called this thing, what really was it? Have we ever talked about the sweating sickness? I don't know if we have. I don't think we have on here. That was a, that was a, a bell. that was an illness that took place where it was what it sounds like. You got you you ran a very high fever and it sure. killed it killed people. And it was contagious. Mm-hmm. And then it disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like it just, just people gone. stopped getting people it. People just stopped getting it. We've never yep. seen it we don't think again. Really? Right. And it's, it's, it's believed that it was something it was something that was being passed due to unsanitary conditions. So as human understanding of like how to keep crap clean <laughs> got better and we weren't, you know, 
cooking in our own feces. Yeah. Um, and you know, using this or that to clean things, and you know, just just being better. You know, Since, this because this is before like you know penicillin and all that. It's 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 just we were being modern, cleaner. Uh, modern sanitation. There was like, like a sanit- Donnie Darko was, a was, was so uh, obsessed with. Yes. Um, <laughs> But th- that there was a sickness that was born out of poor sanitation that, that goes there away came a point if there's where good sanitation. There, there came a point where England got their, their act together, and it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Never to be seen again. Anyway, well, I just find it, it, uh, that, that sort of thing very interesting. Well, only tangentially related to it, even though it's not gone. You know, the bubonic plague, actually, more importantly, the Black Death, which is multiple plagues all at the same time. It never is cured. It's never dealt with. No, people it, still it, get it, bubonic plague. It just... It just, you know, the the outbreak of the 14th century just vectors out. It kills so many people that the, the, the survivors had a resistance and it thinned the herd, as it were, so much that people weren't sufficiently dense that they could get the vector. It doesn't end because of any brave action by a crack team of scientists. It just ends. Led by Dustin Hoffman. Naturally, in yeah. a suit, yeah. No, it, 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 it doesn't... That doesn't happen that way. It's it, it is a remarkable thing that diseases like that just come wipe out substantial numbers of people and then just go away. Some in the case of the sweating sickness permanently, it seems, and some in the case of the the various plagues that uh, just in waiting for the circumstances to come back. Also, was it Rene Russo? Yes, and Kevin Spacey, yes. who who doesn't make it, um, much like real life in Hollywood. Oh, too soon. Zing. <laughs> Kevin question. Speaking of Kevins, yes, we do have a Kevin question. And and who tipped Kevin off to the fact that Jim was our guest this week? Oh, we have a, Ke- a, a well, Jim appropriate I, I, question. Well, a annoying Jim appropriate question. Oh, good. Those are the best kinds of Jims. Great. <laughs> no, I mean a question that annoys Jim. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. When Jim goes on, a t- when Jim goes on a tear, you and I just sit back and enjoy. Okay. Well, Jim might be tired of going on this tear. No, 60... Jim never tires. I've known him for twenty years. Jim does not tire of going on tears. Sixty-eight question. He better have his act together for the next one. He better really bring oh, yeah. it for thank, the next question. Thank you for pointing that out, Kevin. You know what we expect next week. <laughs> Six, anyway, this week, 68, 68 question. <laughs> Don't they have two DeLoreans in 1885? <laughs> Couldn't they have removed gasoline from the one hidden in the mine? I understand removing parts from the DeLorean hidden in the mine would create a time paradox, but couldn't they remove the gasoline? Gas would go bad by 1955, so they would have replaced it anyway. Also, wouldn't Doc know that Marty was coming to 1885? He sent him back in 1955, so 1985 Doc's stuck in 1885 should have the memory of sending Marty. Doc should have known exactly when and where Marty would appear because he sent him. I'm beginning to think this whole time travel thing doesn't work. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> First of all, we have Staybill, which would have allowed the gas to remain just fine. I remember being told about this by Paul Harvey all the time. My father put it into his gas tank religiously. It would have been fine. In 1955? Uh, it's a time travel. He could have brought it back from when it wasn't 1955. No, they sealed it. They, they uh, hmm. no, it was 1885. <laughs> I'm not stepping on these landmines. You guys, no, 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 no. They would have. He would have. He had to have. He packaged up the DeLorean in the mine in 1885 after he got there, and the time circuits were fried. But 
you know, as we all know, when we saw them remove the DeLorean in 1955 uh-huh. to, to be able to send Marty back to 1885 to rescue 1985 Doc, <laughs> they were, uh, they were uh, dragging it out of the mine and all the tires had completely rotted off of the rims. That's right. And, and this has been pointed out, I believe, by the writers, Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis, that, um, that Doc in 1885 would have taken all of the fluids out of the car because that's what you do when you store a car for a really long time. That's right. But also, Doc, they, and they don't cover this in the movie, 1955 Doc, this is at the beginning of Back to the Future 3, would have had to completely rebuild the engine, the transmission, the rear end, probably the suspension. Um, and, and all of that is skipped over and represented, I think, by the giant... Uh, uh, 1955 uh, white wall tires with hubcaps because um, they didn't even have the right tire size in 1955 so he had to replace the wheels and that car is actually a it's like a Volkswagen dune buggy or something with the DeLorean body and all the time circuit <laughs> crap on top of it because they had to drive it through the desert in Monument Valley yeah it's a Frankenstein car now sure I'm, I am I am currently when I'm just curious to see how many different fandoms have tried to answer this question? Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, because my question always was, from the very first one, why is it running on gas when it's got this gigantic power converter thing? Hey, because Doc, the, is this sucker electrical? No, no, no. It runs. Uh, what, what does he the say? Internal is combustion it? engine. No, 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 no. And you're back to the first, the first movie. He says, uh, "Does does this thing uh, run on regular unleaded gasoline?" Unfortunately, no. It requires something with a little more kick. Plutonium. Right. <laughs> plutonium. Wait, right. Doc. You don't just, don't just walk into a store and buy plutonium. Did you rip that off? <laughs> <clears throat> so I mean, to the to the point that I mean. Why I've always wondered why they couldn't run this sucker off of the power plant that was getting the back into time because the the, ener- the energy demands of that engine in that car are dramatically less than it would be to make this time thing happen. You right, know, all the you all the well, giga joules and all that. You don't know that. The the <laughs> yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I sure do. How many because... time machines do you own that you've studied? <laughs> he tells us how much he needs. Deal. <laughs> The, he uh, tells us exactly because we have to get to that power level, which it can only be provided by a lightning strike, right? I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stepping on these landmines. I've got my answer for for Kevin already ready to go. Well, and I'll deal with it at the end. Go. What else do you got? To, <laughs> what else because, do you want to okay, speculate on? This is here. We tell go. me. This is what tell I me all about for. time travel, Jim. <laughs> After seeing the question, the consensus was that the, the question is: Does the Back to the Future time travel require fuel or power? After seeing this question about the time-traveling range of the DeLorean, the consensus was that it was merely restricted by the controls, a four-digit number. However, the goal of Back to the Future 1 was to give the flux capacitor enough electrical power to function correctly. At the end of Back to the Future 2, when Doc Brown arrives and tells him that he needs to go to the future, he starts rooting through the trash for fuel. And then in Back to the Future 3, the gas tank is punctured, effectively stranding him in the past. So it does appear to need fuel. 
Yes, to get up to 88 miles per no, hour no, no, with no, no, the no, internal no, no, combustion no. But rooting, rooting through the trash for, quote-unquote, fuel for Mr. Fusion was to right. provide electricity. Yes. the car. And Doc explains this in Back to the Future Part 3. The uh, the, the DeLorean ha- always, has, always an al- has an internal combustion engine yes. that ran on gasoline. Yep. Because Marty asks him about why don't we just power up Mr. Fusion. Right. And that's when they try pouring the uh, the, the high-test whiskey from the the saloon. Yeah, and they're hauling it behind a stagecoach or behind horses. After they blow out the uh, fuel injection. Going down a hill. (laughs) Right, because, you know, we do have the... Yeah, so I I have long wondered why, if you have a plutonium or a fusion-based, you pick power source that you manage to figure out. Why in heaven's name you need gas? Well, I and I was going to say, well, maybe there weren't or they didn't exist or they were incredibly difficult to build even more so than a time machine. Uh, <laughs> a, a, an electric engine that could run a car and get it up to 88 miles per hour as quickly as, as they needed to. But um, even if that was the case in 1985, why the hell didn't Doc put an electric engine in it in 2015 to start with when he had it hover if he converted. was if he was going to do a bunch of time traveling to start with the first thing he sh- should have thought about is put an engine in it that he can fuel up it should he lose his fuel in any era so he sure. wanted something that was going to be coal or peat or you know some just something that i can burn in so a steam engine or steampunk, something like he ended up doing with the with the train yeah something that so that if he goes back to 700 bc he can still just you know go get some manure provided he doesn't get burned at, <laughs> at the stake as a heretic yeah yeah whatever it takes he, he doesn't have any gasoline <laughs> in 700 bc well why not fusion why not if you've got fusion figured out why yeah. anything else? Why why wasn't the the the, the engine that pushed the wheels also electric? Mr. Fusioned up as of just, the second and, movie. And, and yeah, and just to repeat, if you have fusion, the needs of a combustion engine in a DeLorean, given the stress factors that you can put on a DeLorean, are going to be dramatically less than say hypothetically a time machine. Okay, here's my answer for Kevin. I think we've been we we are going all around it. And here's my answer. I think this probably sums it up for everybody here. All right. It's all as complicated as it is, because if it was as simple as you want it to be, and as smart as you want it to be, that series of movies is 17 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, Doc's a bad inventor. That's the first time machines. The first thing he ever did that actually worked. That wasn't, you know, some simple clock based dog feeding mechanism. That, that, you know, he still couldn't even turn off when he wasn't at home. <laughs> so, I'll go with that. But yeah, no, he should have had an electric engine put in it when he got the Mr. Fusion and the hover conversion. There was no reason not to make the entire thing electric at that point. Because at that point, it, it could seriously run on eight banana peels. Right, yeah. It, yeah. Which would be readily available in, uh, or the equivalent in any well, just, time period in any location. Just get a big banana bag of peels available well, no, just, anywhere. Okay, yeah, I said I got the China. equivalent. Trash, just right. get potato peels, anything, or pick a cactus. E equals M C squared. The energy. I mean, I I remember being little Jimmy and and um admiring. I was watching Nigel Calder's Einstein's Universe, and he said that the energy trapped in a matchstick head is enough to flip a mountain over. And I went, whoa, that can't be true. And when I found out that it was according to general relativity, my head exploded. Well, okay. 
Speaking of uh, uh, heads exploding, there is a second half of this question, which is why why doesn't 1885 Doc remember all of the stuff that happens in 1955 after Marty and 1955 Doc take the DeLorean out of the mine and put tires on it and su- supposedly rebuild everything with a, a rubber seal <laughs> and gas it up and dress Marty up in that ridiculous outfit and uh, and send him con- conveniently through a uh, wall of Indians into a, um, an actual wall I of have, actual Indians. Monument have... Valley, which is conveniently located directly next to um, some part of Northern California that's like 800 miles away. I have an answer for that as well. Because... Incredibly diverse landscape there around Hill Valley. Bob, Bob Gale? Yes. Because Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis didn't have 30 years to think about this stuff when they were <laughs> writing the movie. No, there's there's uh, there's Back to the Future time travel rules, which apply to the Back to the Future universe. But there's nothing... We... Go ahead, Jim. No, no. We, we speak affectionately of hand-waving in science fiction. And that's what we do. We we hand wave away a lot of these little contradictions and how does that happens and what how did you get that far with this much I I don't know. Well, the, to, the hand waving is tenfold in in time travel movies. And oh, par- of course, that has to be. To paraphrase you, Craig, the uh, the uh, time travel rules um, run at the speed of plot. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, everything yeah, everything everything runs at the speed of plot. Right. If you wondered why it took how uh, why it took you know considerably shorter amounts of time to travel from one place to another on Babylon Five, <laughs> yeah. I, I stole that from um from is it Straczynski? What's his just just from Bab Five from from the from the author from the the guy who created it. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he's explained. He's like, well, people ask you know people at conventions ask him why did it take you know so and so this long to get from here to here in season one and this long to get from this, you know, between these two same places in, in the fourth season. He's like, because every, because all of our spaceships move at the speed of plot. Yeah. If we, if we need something, if we need you to be delayed in getting where you're going or for something interesting to happen while you're on your way there, that's how long it takes. If we just need to get you there and it takes less time. Yeah. Or, or the, the, the galaxy or the universe that they're in is, is slowly shrinking. So all the distances are actually getting shorter over, over time as the, as the show goes on, like it's happening on, uh, whatever planet they're on in Game of Thrones. Oh, good Lord. Would you just <laughs> let, that, let that go? Yes, the the iron the, the 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 fleet got to the other side of the continent way too quickly. We all know. We all know, Mike. I want to address the second half of the question, though. Now, is I don't this know is this because because we're you're seeing the things happen to the timeline as they happen, and so there is no chance for reflection. Or is is it because that's a new timeline? As soon as they do, as soon as Marty goes back in the in the stupid Clint Eastwood, not Clint Eastwood outfit, the, the pink outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, to to the Indians, know. like that changes the timeline, and so that doc that's back there can't possibly know, or <laughs> I don't, know. or because they don't really address it. The movie doesn't explain the rules. The movie doesn't even address it. Doesn't address it one way or the other. Right. Doc could very well have all of those memories in 1885. How does he show up when he, right when he does to, to oh. shoot Marty down from being hanged? I know why Doc doesn't have all this stuff there that's ready to, ready to go on tap to make Marty a better person. Because Marty has to do all this stuff and figure out all this stuff in order to get where Marty's going to go so that he doesn't hit the, the pedal 
too quickly and race that dude and get Needles. into the accident and f up his future because by Doc is that, a good by, friend. By so Doc is helping. Royce. Doc is helping Marty do all of these things that is making Marty a better person. That's the that's the reason why Marty goes through all of this crap is because Doc knew all of this stuff. Could have just told, well, Marty, go back and do this, this, and this. And when you come back to save me in 1885, we'll do this, this, and this. Well, and everything's taken care of. Yeah, because Doc no, did know that. He's he's making Marty earn it. He's helping Marty. And There's he, my answer. And teaching him the ultimate <laughs> lesson of, of the trilogy that you, we find out at the end, that, uh, that your future isn't written. Right. That you make your own future with the choices that you make, that nothing is predetermined. Right. Doc's not going to tell, you know, have all that information ready to go for Marty and, and for them to take on their adventures and everything because they need to do all of that themselves. They need to determine that. They need to make Marty choices. Marty needs to They need learn. to make choices. They need to move forward. They need, exactly. Not to be overreactionary when somebody call, call, calls him chicken or scared, which was completely invented in in Back to the Future Part Two and didn't exist in the first movie. You're going down a different road. You're going down a different road. Because stay, in stay the first point. movie, stay on point. Marty had no arc. <laughs> Marty didn't develop a character arc until Back <laughs> to the Future Two, and they no came arc. up with the whole chicken concept. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Technically. You know, his parents had a passive arc that was better than his arc. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't do anything specifically. They just had, they were acted upon yeah. and became different people <laughs> by the end of the movie. And Marty never changed. <laughs> yeah, Marty Marty comes back to, uh, what, what do they call it, 1985B? I don't know what they call it because I don't study the, the, it. The like timeline B, <laughs> the one that he changes by going back to 1955 sure, the one where the, the one where Biff is polishing his car, wipes yeah. in his car. Yeah, and, his and, truck, and his, his dad is, a, is is about to become a successful author. Yeah. And um, his mom's happy and not a drunk. For the record, his dad <laughs> took an awful long time to become a successful author. Yep. Uh, <laughs> George, your first novel. George, you're 45. <laughs> you got three kids. One of them's grown. 47. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Dave's grown. He's still living at home, but he has a corporate job that he has to wear a suit to on Saturday. Maybe he was supporting them until <laughs> until George finally wrote his effing novel. There you go. That's probably Dave it. Dave was supporting them. That house is in Dave's name. Yeah, his his epic novel about space robots. But no, that Marty has no memory of his life between right, right. he shows up, wakes up in his bed. You know, well, he shows up in the driveway and then he climb. You know, opens opens yeah. the gate, climbs in his window, goes to sleep, and wakes up. Right. With memories from the past week in 1955, he has no memories of his... He's missed his entire life up to that point. That's completely yeah. everything, changed. Everything that's made his life what it is to, to that point doesn't is exist different. anymore. Yeah. Well, that's, other that's, than Doc Brown. Right. And, well, and not Jennifer. He, how he met Doc may be different. Why, why, is he, why is he still dating Jennifer in that reality? Because they're meant to be together. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that's something that I've talked about. I've 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 had an issue with with like, time travel yeah. movies in general. Is you come back and you change your whole life. Well, now you've got like this whole you've got a set of memories that aren't valid anymore because everything about your life, about how your parents, you're like like your parents got together a little differently, and you know about that because you mm-hmm. were there and kind of helped cause it. But then everything about their courtship went may have gone differently. You might have different siblings because they effed each other on different days. <laughs> you might not exist. Yeah, if you, I change, just, you change your parents' life and how they got together. They may not have sex on the day you were conceived, right? And right. you go back to, and you and you travel back to the future, and you're gone. Also, why doesn't Marty immediately disappear as soon as he uh, knocks George out of the way and 
gets hit by the car. No, he has to fade for most of the movie because again, seventeen no, minutes. Ta- well, no, it takes it takes a week and then he starts fading. Yeah. very quickly. Anyway, okay, okay. That's you know, I just realized I did something oh, there. I, I'm I'm okay with the concept of time travel, but I I poo pooed um a a couple's romantic density. <laughs> there you see, go. See what I did there? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I saw that. All right. Does that do it? <laughs> yes, that's all. That's all the answer we've got. Kevin, Th- thanks, Kevin. We're, Kevin. We have high expectations for next week. Really, really bring it with the next question, Jim. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you, Jim. Always a pleasure. Mike, where can they find us? They can find us at nerdburgershow.com, at nerdburgershow on the Twitters and the Facebook. Email us nerdburgershow at gmail and go to nerdburgergames.com for game stuff. DriveThroughRPG.com to buy murders and acquisitions, and you can pop over to Backerkit to pick up capers for fifteen buck pre-order, the same price it was for the Kickstarter. Just go to the Kickstarter page and press the blue button. Right Is that what it sounds like when you press the blue button? Yes. On the next episode of Nerdburger, Mike and Craig take advantage of the three, uh, the three hundred hours worth of their own uh, voices that they have recorded and get everything squared away and do the entire episode in their new? robot voices. Our new robot voices? They're going to be ready next week. Yeah, Yay. they'll sound just like us, only slightly off. You know, the, the cadence will be yeah. a little bit because they won't quite connect from one word to the other quite the same way. So we'll <laughs> talk like this. For the entire episode, just like this, if you want to talk like this, we can talk like this for the episode. Does that sound good? No, that that <laughs> sounds even worse than listening to a regular episode. <laughs> that takes something. <laughs> Nerdburger, no promises. And... Nerdburger, no quality. <laughs> <laughs> but plenty of content. Yeah. Bye. No, 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 but it relates directly to that. Uh Uh, (laughs) Yep, comes up in the Google, because that's cool, and I love the Google. Is he really loud in your headphones, Mike? Yep. Okay. Okay. I just turned turned him down a little. I'm hot. I'm hot. Uh, What can I... I thought I could... Searching is... Really, mega jag. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't think that's going to bring up I just what you think thing. it's going to bring up. Um, well, let's look at the, the thing let's where... look at the images and see what it gets. Well, here it gets a couple. Did you see the thing I just sent? <laughs> look at that. Checking email. Have not received email. No, I sent it via Skype. Oh. Oh. I thought this was supposed to be a, a vehicle of communication. Quiet, you. <laughs> Mm. That looks fun. And everybody, everybody, everybody in my age bracket that saw that immediately went, oh my God, it's Barry Bostwick and Megaforce. <laughs> You're old. <laughs> I saw that movie in 1982 for one American dollar because the Southridge Megaplex Theater offered $1 Tuesdays. So little Jimmy <laughs> took the bus out there every Tuesday because he had nothing else to do in the summer in that lightly programmed year of 1982. And he went out there and I saw Barry Bostwick in Megaforce with guys on motorcycles with weird windscreens shooting balloons out of the skies. But yes, this vehicle, when I saw it, I went, oh my God, they are rolling out Megaforce. And you can't miss if you... That is a sweet headband. 
Thank you. That's what I was looking for. That is a sweet baby blue headband. Yeah, I'm telling you. That's 1982, baby. Wow. What am I supposed to be looking at now? This 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 picture of Barry Bostwick in Megaforce. I was just I just searched Barry Bostwick Megaforce and got. Oh yeah, and oh, the hair. Oh my gosh. And the hair with the beard. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. With a golden motorcycle. You don't understand how is great he, my childhood was. Is he singing? <laughs> no, he does not. No, he should be though, but he's not. No, it, it's, it's like it's, Xanadu. And I, and I hate to and I hate to and I hate to <laughs> look at that gold lame. Yeah, look at the suit. Look at the whole suit. He's got he's got a flag on it with the stars pointed in the right direction. Well oh, done, wow. uh, production design. The headband yeah. looks like it's uh, poorly painted on. Not even photoshopped. Painted on. <laughs> paint two D too. Not the new paint three D. Oh my god, that's horrible. What? I I I would not disappoint you. Wait a minute. Is a uh... damn it, Janet. This oh, is the this is the name. image. This is the image, I'm sending it to you now, that is forever scarred into my head. Oh, my. That is something. That is a tight-ass jumpsuit. <laughs> is he Ryan Gosling's he's dad? Cir- he's circumcised. Look at him. Yeah, <laughs> look at look the, it. Yeah, look, look. He, he's circumcised. Do you know how I know? That's a tight-ass jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. I I I bring the noise. I I bring the Bostwick. I'm telling you. Riddle me this: What religion am I? He hangs on the right, for the record. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Mike started looking more closely at the images and then thought, "What am I doing?" And I and then I quit the browser. <laughs> that is a hell of a poster, too, man. Oh, oh man, yeah. they don't make posters like that anymore. They sure don't. See. All right. Should we? Uh... Should we start and and, and, and talk, talk name, about this on his, the on the show? His char- now tack it on the end. His character's oh. name is Ace Hunter. Yeah. Well, their motto. What's the motto? Of, what's the motto of Megaforce? Deeds, not words. There you go. <laughs> who else is in this? Because the deeds they speak louder. Is, that, is, that's is, the. Who else is in this? Is Barry Boswick far and away the biggest the name? biggest name? I don't know. I closed everything. Michael Beck, Persis Kambata, no, 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 per- Edward Mohan, per- George Persis Kambata. She of she of Star Trek the the motion sickness. Oh, okay, she's the bald lady in Yeah, yeah. Motion picker motion picture. Okay. Come on, back up. Come on, the, IMDb. The V'ger spokeswoman? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Edward Mulhair, George Firth. <laughs> this has been nineteen seventies? Eighty two. Eighty nineteen eighty two D list actors. George Firth with because that sounded kind of familiar with his uh, ninety six credits character actor guy. He was uh, he was Van Johnson <laughs> in Blazing Saddles. He was one of the the town elders that comes to you know that, that when they have the big meeting. Oh, I've, it's been forever since I've seen that. He's one of those guys. Um, Henry Silva, <clears throat> I know that name. We're we're not tacking all of this onto the end of the show. No, that's fine. Henry Silva, Gazy, he's been in a bunch of action movies. Alrighty, all Let's... right. Let's let's <laughs> roll with that right into the show. Now that we've got ahead of steam, let's roll. Okay. <laughs> 